I just want to give you a bit of an insight into this podcast. We're a bunch of unique individuals, Poochie and myself. We're going to engage you with our minds and our hearts. We're going to exchange ideas, thoughts, and even our energy. And to speak from our heart, you need to have courage. You need to be honest and authentic. We're not always going to get it right, and sometimes you're not going to agree with it. But that's okay, because just like you, we care. Just like you, we're passionate. So if you want to come along for the ride, join in on the podcast. back to episode four of Jack Pooch and Pals. I'm Jack Davey. And I'm Pooch Brzezewski. And today we've got special guest Cam Davey. G'day right. boys. G'day mate. Um, so yeah, we usually start the, the podcast by saying how we met and um, well, we met at birth. Yeah, Your no. birth, not Cam's birth. Yeah, no, that would have been 70 years ago. But, yeah, no, my birth we met. That was obviously a very touching moment for you, Cameron. Can't really remember. No, it was. It was one of the proudest moments uh, having my first son. So it's always a special one. And your favourite child as well. So Top four. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember how you met Kim, Um Yeah, I don't even think it's been a year. We would have met at the Austin, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I knew off you. Yeah, but likewise. Yeah, and Jack, Jack always spoke highly off you. Yeah, like the time he spewed on my shoes. Yeah, he threw you under the bus a couple of times. <laughs> Do you want to for... uh, run us through that? Oh well, it must have been. It was a mystery bus night. Mystery bus night. Jack was home very early, and I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. And he came in. And he said, oh, I'm just going to go to bed, Dad. I'm you know, not feeling the best. And, I said, oh, a bit too much to drink, mate. He goes, no, 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 just, just, I don't know, not feeling well. I said, oh, right, eh? Came in probably an hour later, he's asleep upright in his bed. <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, two and two equals four. And then uh, went outside and there was a bit of Chris Mule over his shoes. So I let it go until the next morning and said, oh, mate, a bit too much to drink last night. He goes, nah, 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 nah. I said, oh, they spew all over your shoes. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I took the, took the blame for Jonah spewing on the <laughs> – Jonah spewed all over the bus and I took the blame and I got kicked off. I said, oh, well, fair enough. I said, well, he goes, yeah, he was sitting on the inside window, da, da, da. And I said, well, that's weird. It's on your right foot, mate. Yeah, he sort of let across me and spewed on <laughs> So, uh, no. So then, yeah, I sort of uh, – Thought, no, nah, he's full of shit, but that's all right. <laughs> that wouldn't be the first time. But yeah, no, it's Jonah. I probably met face to face, yeah, a year ago coming up. Yes, in a week or two. Hmm. Yeah. So you're quite the sportsman. Oh, you, you like to say that you are, anyway. I'm a bit better than daily. Well, it's not hard to be. <laughs> but you love your cricket, and um, yeah, so you played, you didn't start until you were about. 18? Yeah, I didn't actually. No, that's right. I didn't play much sport as a kid. I was sort of a bit uh, shy, to be honest, and sort of <laughs> didn't think I'd make the grade. And But cricket, no, it was actually uh, – I was in. A, I joined a cricket club. I didn't play. It was a bit weird. Uh, Parwin Cricket Club and Melbourne Cup Eve. They all have a barbecue and a Calcutta and all that sort of stuff. 
And we're just playing backyard cricket. And there's a guy there, Colo Hare, who was a local policeman and captain of the C grade. He said, mate, I'll pick you up next week. You're going to open the batting. And I was only about 16, I think, or 17. So that's how the cricket kicked off. And, yeah, we've obviously played a couple of games together. What are your fondest memories of that down at United? Uh, us two playing? Yeah. Um, oh, look, just playing with your son's always a big thing. It's a big thing at United too because they basically uh, family-orientated, family yeah. yeah. But did catch uh, did cost me a hat-trick one day at West Bendigo, yeah. which uh, I was... I'd only taken that. 14 catches in the two innings, but... Yeah, yeah, but you missed the most important one. So, we and they weren't much of a side, the old Redbacks. They're still not much of a side, they're atrocious. Yeah, no, they aren't much. But uh, basically, I think the first innings, I can't remember it was the first or second innings, might have taken five or six in the first innings. We got into the second innings and they were really ordinary in the second innings. Probably had three or four, bowled a bloke. There was a young kid there, mouth me, bowled him. <laughs> Everyone's come in and basically I thought, I think we're on a hat trick, down to about number nine or ten batsmen. I thought, well, this is going to be it. This is the day. What a great, you know, what a set up to do it with Jack. Called me up to the stumps. Called him up to the stumps. I thought this is always going to be pitched up full and it's going to swing in as usual. Anyway, pitched outside off. I thought, oh, this is going to smash into the stumps. Got the faintest of edge on it. No, I got the faintest of edges, but I, th- I still reckon it, it wasn't an edge. It was just pure swing that went down the leg. Oh, yeah. And the keeper, Iron Gloves himself, drops the ball. And instead of picking the ball up and then hitting the stumps because the batsman had overcorrected and come forward and was about a metre out of his crease and would give it up, old mate decided to walk around in circles with his hands <laughs> on his head. Everyone yelling at him, pick the ball up, pick the ball up and stump him. Well, this time, after about three minutes, the, the batsman's <laughs> got back to his crease. So we're all yelling at Jack. And he basically just threw the gloves on the ground and said, well, you come down and have a key <laughs> in a few more choice words. But, yeah, so that's not my fondest memory, but it was a funny one. But other than that, we had good fun. Uh, we had lots of good fun. We made the, the grand final one year. And... We made the grand final and you didn't turn up. Yeah, I got struck down for bowler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, as you would know well, Jimmy, if you had a broken leg, you're playing a grand final. Uh, Jack had a, a cold. And, oh, I was spewing up everywhere. And, be a break. and mum wouldn't drive him out to the cricket, so. They we, food poisoned him. We had to play one down. Not that so it made much difference. I think we still got smashed by. 200 runs? Yeah. I think we got bowled out about 90. Yeah, we didn't make many that day, so. But other than that, you took a few fifers and made a few tons in your time. Um, more more fifers. I think I've made two hundreds. Two hundreds. Yeah, well, that's two more hundreds than I've made. <laughs> yeah, Jonah wouldn't have even made it. I haven't made a run. Yeah. <laughs> can you hold it back? Mate, put me in the backyard, mate. Yeah, <laughs> on the side. <laughs> nah, I've, I've played in a couple of premierships and taken a few fifers, but that's probably more that I've been around in good teams. And that's really the extent of your cricketing career. Yeah, very much so. Backyard specials. So you're also a good footballer, better than your cricket? Oh, I wasn't, wasn't a great footballer. No, no, I had a, I just had a couple of lucky games, I reckon. And <laughs> and as a kid, there was a, when I was playing under 16s, I kicked 34 goals in two weeks and everyone got real excited by it. Thought but, you were the next big thing. Yeah, sort of until 
I reckon a week later, a bloke came out and kicked nine, and that sort of put me back. <laughs> uh, his name was Parrot, I think. But no, nah, I sort of always just been lucky enough to play in good teams. I reckon more yeah. than anything else. So you started your footy career a bit earlier than your cricket with uh, at Bacchus Marsh. Yeah, never played under tens or twelves. I was a bit timid again, a bit sort of shy. So and only trained with the under fourteens and got a game when they were short. <laughs> Um, and that was up at first game was up against Dalesford. There was a guy, uh, Dougie Greve, used to pick us up in his van and float about 12, 12 kids. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> at all. No, no, he's a good man. And uh, 12 was with Pile in the back, and he'd drive us to the. And anyway, I was on the bench, of course, and then come on. And I think I kicked probably five that day. And after that. I remember how many you kicked in your first game of football. Well, you have defining moments. And um, oh, that just defined you as a player. No, no, just just a memory because up to that stage, I, I was shit scared to get out there. But um, yeah, and then from there, all of a sudden, progressed and yeah. So the next club after that was Dahl, Dahl yeah, which is just across the road from Back of Smash. Yeah, so played Back of Smash fourteens. They, they had odd setup where they were fourteens, other club was fifteens. Yeah, right. Like that. So they played in the same league, though, didn't they? No, they played in different leagues. Although I tended to play for both clubs at the same time sometimes, <laughs> which didn't go down too well with the locals, but um, it was all good until you get caught. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, played for Daly uh, in under 16s and then come back to the Marsh and played under 18s. You're captain under 18s, right? Captain under 18s, or, and we won a premiership, which was good. Um, Lost the premiership in the 16s at Darley. But, yeah, got one at Bacchus Marsh. And the year before, we probably lost every game by 20 goals. Yeah, right. But we had a guy there called Ricky James who was trying out for the Footscrain of 19s. He was probably 6'4", built like a pyramid upside down. He kicked 100 and something goals for us that year. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he was a man mountain. Um, so I just sort of... Played under him a little bit. Popped on his back. Well, he carried the whole team, let's be honest. <laughs> but we did have some good players. We got some out of um, what is probably now Fed U, Federation University yeah, in Ballarat. Right. So we got some kids out of there um, and it all just come together. And the, ga- the the game before to make the grand final, we actually got done by 100 points. Yeah, and then you came out on the grand final. Didn't you? Played the same side, YCWCYC. YCWCYC. <laughs> And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, young Christian wank is what we call him. <laughs> Sorry to offend anyone. That's still up. Um, but basically, yeah, we beat him by six goals in the granny. And as uh, I was a bottom age, so I would have been 16. Um, I don't think I went to school till probably Wednesday. <laughs> Every day I'd get in the school clothes and then pretend to walk to school and go to a mate's house and we just drank out of a funnel for about three days solid and... Yeah, mum and dad were none the wise. I don't know how, but, yeah. So then after that, yeah, at the end of that, some of my mates, some of my good mates were at Daly. So went over and played there and my brother was there as well. So played with him over at Daly and um, was lucky enough to win a premiership over there. And you headed off to the land after Daly for money. Yeah, look, it's the only time I've chased money. I've got my ambition. You're a prostitute for clubs. Yeah, I am. I am when you look at it and... Go eight, for eight different clubs, isn't it? Yeah, there is eight clubs. It's there's some circumstances in travel and things like that. So I, you know, Bacchus Marsh coming to Bendigo. But you said before that the only one you really played for money was at the land. 
yeah, bad move. Yeah. Got my ambitions and capabilities really confused. <laughs> Just like super, super talented. Uh, Todd, yeah, 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 yeah. Todd and I were probably paddling the same way a little bit on that one, but um, oh, they chased hard, and I was working in Ballarat and living there, and it's not far; it's only fifty k's to Bacchus Marsh. But um, I just thought, oh yeah, it'll change as good as a holiday. But yeah, what they expected from me <laughs> and what I was producing probably wasn't on the same path. And then after Bland, where'd you go? Uh, well, I moved with work. You went north. Up to Bendigo, yeah, and of Bendigo area, I was sort of at Castlemaine, Mould, and Bendigo sort of scenario, and I travelled back to Dali, but because I couldn't train twice a week, and I sort of wasn't, yeah, I was going to struggle to hold my spot in the ones, um, so I ended up playing a year of cricket at Mould, yeah, over the summer and just drinking and doing what you do, and we won a flag in the cricket, and uh, we had a guy there, Mark Wade, he took nine for in the grand final for about ten. Yeah. And, yeah, so on the back of that, they said, come and play a year at Molden. And I thought, oh, yeah, this will be great. Um, and it was. We we lost the granny that year. But um, I think I got knocked out three or four times. Yeah, so it's real thug sort of league. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest league. And I think at the halfway mark of the year, I was sort of going okay. And opposition so I just thought, you know, not being the, the biggest bloke getting around, they, uh, yeah. yeah. You might not used to have been, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the cannon, what do you call it? The gun show wasn't yeah. much of a show, no, but um, yeah, at the moment. yeah, they fixed me up pretty well in the second half of the year, and I slowed down a little bit after that. And you eventually ended up at Sanders, um, with, with our great mate Darby Graham's dad. Yeah, uh, well, was, he was coaching there as well. No, nah, which he proved before Sanders. Oh, was it? Yeah, so Tony Graham, um, who played on Melbourne's. Two's list, didn't he? No, he's on the senior list. Yeah, right. Senior list. Very, very stiff not to play a lot more senior footy yep. at Melbourne. Just back in those days, players like Michael Tuck and these, not the same area, but they would play a lot of reserves games yep. before they got a senior game. But um, he was up at Witchy Proof, said, come up. So myself and another bloke who was captain and, and vice captain of Molden, I think we were at yeah. the time, said, we'll go up. And that would be one of the best clubs I've ever been involved in. Yeah. And you won three in a row there? Two. Two in a row. Two in a row. Tony got, yeah, I think Tony got three and we got two. Yeah. He was there a year before us. And then, yeah, ended up at Sanders coaching the twos. Yeah, well, Tony come down to coach the seniors and asked me to help out. Um, And so I stayed an extra year at Witchy and then come down the following year um, to help him out. Club, he did a really good job. The club did have no money whatsoever, so it was very youth-orientated. Um, and I just happened to pick up on a lot of good kids who come out, coach the twos, and we won a flag there, and we lost the senior flag that year. Yeah. All right. So you also did a bit of coaching out at the Bendigo Bombers as well? Oh, I was just a, shuffling a few names on the board. Just a board man. <laughs> board man. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good experience, very time-consuming, but learn a lot. Um, so Daryl Wilson who's probably the best coach, country coach I've seen. Um, he took up a gig there and it worked. Um, obviously, we had the reserves, Benigo Bombers reserves, and that's what we worked with. Um, and then that filled it into the Bendigo Bombers, obviously, which was the Essendon reserves. And, yeah, just different sort of good knowledge. Yeah. Maddie, mm. Maddie Knights had them. Yeah, and you got to work with some 
big names or uh, a lot of egos <laughs> a lot of egos so it was a lot of because i'm a nobody it was a lot of just sit back and let them talk and you listen and even if they were wrong you just didn't say nothing <laughs> who was the best player that would have played that would have filtered through the twos but the bombers were obviously essence oh look there's some club. yeah look i admire Nick Carter, Simon Rosa, these sort of guys who gave their all for Bendigo Bombers. Yeah. Um, Stuart Cramery. Yeah. That was a very good one. Um, uh, Justin Madden, who's out of Biddy now. Yeah, yeah. They, these blokes just didn't come in. A lot of blokes, like over a two-year period, I think at one stage there, yeah, we played 90-something players through the reserves of the Bendigo Bombers. But these guys were playing seniors and year in, year out would just give their best. Yep. And, you know, they could have easily gone off for money in country footy or that, but they just stuck at it and got the best out of themselves. Yeah, right. Um, after the Bombers, you ended up at Bridgewater. Yeah, the seatbelts. The knee machine. Uh, and you played as a forward for your junior career, and it wasn't until later in your career that you went down back. Mm-hmm. You've become the general. <laughs> the general, I wouldn't say that. But you won two flags in the twos. Uh, one, I think. One? Yeah, probably should have got two, but got ripped off. Got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it did get dropped. It wasn't form, but it was just more politics more than anything else. But that happens at and footy club. Age. Um, age yeah. probably had something to do with it, being a very high 40s at the time. It, um, no, look, tough situation for any club when you get to finals and um, someone's got to miss out. Um, there was probably blokes more... Stiff than I was, to be honest. Mark Oxley, yeah. um, who was, you know, an absolute dominant the ruck and made, might have even finished top three or five in the league. BNF missed out. Yeah, right. um, and then uh, young Lockie Magnan, um, who was underage but was playing all year, yeah. he missed out as well. So it was always going to be stiff. But yeah, no, I got down the back line because I could see the writing on the wall of the forward line. Yeah. And but used the excuse to Dewey that uh, we played Calville and we lost. And I said to him after the game, or a couple of days later, I said, "Look, give me five defenders, and I'll mate, I'll, I'll I'll go down back, and we'll we'll be okay." And we actually worked out really well. We didn't have a great back six in regards to talent, but we all worked out a little plan, um, and we kept sides to for the rest of the year. We kept sides under three and four goals, five goals on average a game. Speaking about Lord Valley 2s, there's not much talent out there. Well, I did get to play on the great man one day. Ah. <laughs> and the, the funny thing about it was I didn't even know I was... Who's the great man that we're speaking about? Uh, Mitch, Mitch <laughs> Daly, came down. To, I don't know uh, if he came down and knew who I was or just thought I'd take the oldest, slowest <laughs> looking bloke. But the funny thing was... Dominated, I'm sure. Well, the funny thing was I didn't even know I played on him at first <laughs> because... He's just a nobody. As probably people know, I get a little bit of white line fever. And that day, the back six was very uh, sort of focused on Tyler James. <laughs> and every time that he was going to go near the ball, we had a bit of a plan just to, well, make life a little bit tougher for him. <laughs> so every time we'd come down, and then it was only after about halfway during the second that I actually realised that, I was, I was on a bloke. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So you've obviously seen a lot of footy and played a lot of footy. Who would you rate as the top three country footballers you've seen? Top three? Ooh. Um, I'll probably go a bit more than three. 
it's I don't think you can sort of condense it into three. And I apologise because it's really hard to get Backman in, but on ballers I'd go a guy that I grew up with admiring, uh, Lexi Miller yeah. from Bali and Bacchus Marsh. He did the same as I did, went from Bacchus Marsh to Bali. But he was an absolute freak, skinny on baller, 16 years of age, just carving it up. Um, Derek Philo would be another one. Yep. Um, Derek Philo for all reasons that we all know. Um, Andy Collins would be in that, just absolute elite. Uh, Simon Rosa would be another one. Um, and then Tony Graham. Yeah. Tony Graham um, was a coach of mine. His was, foot skills were just... His foot skills were just phenomenal. Uh, left foot, right foot, and probably one of the most unselfish footballers. Yeah, right. So he won league BNFs, but if he, he would do what he had to do, but was more than happy to bring others into the game. But he's he just had a, a real will and passion to win. But, yeah, so that would be the best. Up forward, then obviously you've just got the Grant Weeks, um, yeah. Stephen Reapers, you know, these sorts of guys. Justin Bannon I've got a, a lot of a lot of respect for for what he did at the Benigo Bombers. Yep. And then there's um, – so there's a story that <laughs> you've told me and it's that a young – player who's gone on to do pretty good things for Richmond. Two flags now. Yeah, two flags yeah. and probably big parts in both of them. And come and from a great family history. Yeah, rich rich football talent family. And uh, you like to say that you're the reason. I'm the God, reason. That he got <laughs> you, in the you spotlight. Made him, you made him who he is. No, what I said was we'd run him in the form. So we went to uh, coached in a league with Daryl Wilson under 18's Bendigo and, and both leagues, Ballarat and Bendigo, made a, a pact that if you'd played more than three or four Pios or Rebels games, you couldn't play in the inner league. So we gave other kids an ch- opportunity. Little did we know there's a little bloke come out of St. Pat's, uh, Rioli, and basically thought, oh, yeah, yeah, well, he can't be that much if he hasn't played <laughs> four games at the Rebels. Well... After he kicked about five and a quarter, <laughs> gets the, we thought, oh, okay. And then by the end of that year, I think he went. He went top first round, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, he would have been. Yeah. It was Richmond's first pick. Yeah. So we ran him into form. I can't say I had anything to do with it. But, yeah, we. He, it was good to see. It's nice to see kids do stuff at a basic level then go on to sort of get drafted in AFL. But, no, can't claim that one. So we're at that point of the podcast where we like to – Touch on a, a serious note. So, Cam, obviously, being the father of Jacko, you had a pretty serious thing happen around this time last year. Want to touch on that? Uh, yeah. So, obviously, we're coming up 12 months, which obviously it's changed uh, our family's life and will for a, a long time. Um what we've gone through, I don't wish on anyone, um, but it, yeah, it's 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 well, it's a tough tough time, really. Um, and if I go back twelve months, if they had to get that phone call, I think it was from you initially. May have been, yeah, yeah. just to say that something's happened to Jack, um, and then to then get another phone call to say that they're taking him to hospital, and then get another phone call from a paramedic to say they're going to airlift him to Melbourne and then to get another phone call while I'm driving to Melbourne from the air ambulance 
telling me that you need to get down here pretty quick. Um, life was sort of, yeah, you know, at that point it was spiralling pretty quickly out of control. Then to get to the hospital and see what sort of state Jack was in was gut-wrenching. Um, as a parent, it's, it's and other parents would, would understand, but when you see your kids lying there and you can't do anything as a parent to help them, it you just feel absolutely useless. And basically you want to swap, you give anything, you give your left arm to lift them up, put them and swap positions with them, but you just can't. And even now um, we do all the rehab, we do everything, but you just always feel like you could, you, you've got to do more. You, you should be able to do more, but you can't. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, it's it's been a shit, pretty, like, pretty shit 12 months and all that's come with it. But I think from the initial outlook to what it is now 12 months later, it's a lot better than what it could have panned out to be. Oh, look. Very lucky to where we are to the to what the injury. I was reading about an injury today in the Herald Sun. There's a guy who's done a C4 who's writing about how from the neck down he just feels useless. We were in an environment that was surrounded by people in the same situation and we could have been, and the odds probably were that we should have been a lot worse than what we were for whatever reason. And, and I've got my theories on why we're why Jack's able to do what he does today, and I think you know there's defining moments in people's lives that sort of come back and help them in the future. And I think Jack's had a lot of adversity with separation of parents, two knee recos, all before the age of eighteen, plus some other stuff that he's had to endure, um, and. You know, Jack's the sort of kid that's tough, resilient. He's not, you know, if you put him in a fight, he couldn't take fairy floss off a stick. <laughs> but you put him in a life situation, and I look at little things, you know, like, and some of them are really silly, but some of them I think define that, that he's had to work hard in all his sport to achieve good things. He's rep represented Bendigo at cricket, basketball, and footy, but he wasn't a natural sportsman. He had to work hard. He had to work harder than other kids. Um, I remember him breaking his thumb down at the beach and basically I said, mate, let's country week cricket out. But no, he played with a broken thumb for the whole tournament. Um, you know, And there's little things like that. And I think that fighting spirit that he's been able to gauge has helped him with his recovery. Because so I saw a lot of boys of Jack's similar age in Melbourne that just gave up. And I reckon that it's because they've been mollycoddled in life or they've just never had to sort of push themselves. Yeah, never had adversity. No, no. And, and unfortunately, Jack's had to face, you know, I, I remember some of the times with the knee recos that he just wanted to give in. But then the next day, he'd be, I want to do that. And, and all my kids sort of live by the philosophy, it's, not how you get knocked down that counts, but how you get back up. And I got that off John Kennedy Senior, a football bloke. 
I know it's a silly comment, but he, he did a speech once for a guy who had a real mental illness and the guy wanted to top himself and he actually invited him to a, a, a I think it was his life membership at AFL and that was the speech he gave him and he kept looking at this guy in the crowd who he invited and said, mate, it's not how you get knocked down that counts but how you get back up. And I've taught that with all my kids. I reckon that's part of what helps Jack today. Yeah, and it shows in spades. Yeah, and, and look, it's a long haul and we might be doing this for another three to five years. But, we, you know, we just got to have a crack. Yeah. Going back to a uh, more happy, funny note. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you were younger, is it true you got your mum to buy your porn mag? <laughs> um, define younger. Well, how old were you? Oh, about twelve. <laughs> so, so that was about eighty years ago. <laughs> Foss. Yeah. Um, that would have been. Like, they would have. They wouldn't have come in colour then. Yeah. So the magazine. <laughs> yeah. So it was Madonna. <laughs> So my daughter was a lot younger and probably in a bit better nick than she is now. <laughs> you know, I hope so. I thrilled out as what I was. My, as everyone knows, I live by the philosophy that not all humour is funny or not all jokes are funny. <laughs> but I thrilled out there at the kitchen table and obviously I must have done all right at school that week because <laughs> mum had decided she'd go out and buy this magazine. I think it was called Black and White at the time <laughs> and it had just a lot of... Typifies your age. If a magazine's yeah. called black and white. Yeah, they didn't print colour then. There was definitely no internet. <laughs> no coloured no colour TVs either, probably. Um, Still riding around on horse and carts. Yeah, stuff <laughs> like that. Harsh, but true. Um, so, anyway, I, I'd i never gave it a second thought. I'd, I'd come home one night and mum and dad weren't happy and I was more thinking, oh, well, I've, you know, there's a phone call come from school again and I'm in the shit. <laughs> anyway, mum goes... After a while, I went to get, and I could tell Dad never blew up at me. He just wouldn't talk to me. So I knew I was in a bit of a, you know, he never disciplined us. Mum did all the discipline. Dad just didn't talk to us. So Mum just had that look, and I remember the the, the tea went, went on the table with a big clunk, and I thought that's not a great sign. And and I was really struggling with my brain to. Seeing what I've done at school, <laughs> I'm thinking I've been going all right. <laughs> I can't, and I'm thinking, no, nah, it can't be the grog that I've probably got hidden or anything like that. Um, I'm thinking, geez, what I can't remember what I've done anyway. She then came clean. She goes, I went to get that magazine today, and it still didn't dawn on me. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that I'm thinking, what is she talking about? And I actually was running a paper round at the time, and I thought it might have been the paper round because a mate of mine called Mixo. Um, we instead of delivering the papers, we'd shove most of them down the gutters every day. <laughs> and it was only after a while we got caught anyway. But mum brings up this magazine and I just looked at her in total disbelief that she'd actually go into the news agency and ask for a magazine. Well, she actually reckons that she went around the aisles looking for the magazine, couldn't see because obviously she didn't go to the porn section. <laughs> and then went to the front counter and asked for, do you have a magazine called Black and White? And when the ladies produced it, it's in a a plastic cover, two and two equals four. <laughs> she wasn't too impressed anyway. Oh, yeah. But I didn't think she'd, she'd go and buy it. So another story is um, car roll. So you want to 
elaborate. And... Oh, gosh, these stories are bad. Oh, I don't know where you're getting them from. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is a really bad one. So I think I was about 15, 16 with a real heap of mates and it was uh, our, our junior footy club was there um, sponsors, parents' night. So all our parents had gone to this function. A couple of older friends were at the pub. That was and a group of us were only yeah, 15. Well, I was playing on the 16, so I must have been 15. Decided that we'd go and visit one of our mates who was about 5Ks. Instead of walking, because we wanted to go and watch, there was a fight. It was Joe Bugner versus Jeff Finnick or something like this in the fight. So we thought we'd go and watch that. He couldn't leave because he had to babysit his younger sister because his parents were at the same function. Next thing you know, one of my mates, lo and behold, disappears. And we thought, oh, yeah, that's, and those who know him, Lee Kloster, is a little bit loose, um, disappeared. So we thought, oh, yeah, well, I'm not sure where he's gone. Next thing you know, we hear this toot, 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 and he's taking his grandfather's car. And his grandfather passed away probably three or four weeks earlier. Anyway, it was a little Nissan Pulsar, brown. So we, not even giving a second thought, we all jumped in. We thought we'd drive over to a mate's house to watch this fight and then we'd drive back. Perfect plan. Obviously, none of us had probably been behind the car wheel too often. So we thought we'd take a back road, which was a dirt road. We were doing 50, 60 Ks and... We lost control. I think we rolled two or three times and then ended up on the roof just skinning down and the front car went into the part of a dam. None of us had seatbelts on, so we were a bit silly as well. Um, had to kick the back door out because we couldn't get it open. The car was more like a can of sardines at this stage. It wasn't going real well. So we got out. One of my mates panicked and took off. Um the other three of us sort of were in disbelief, sort of, oh, well, what's plan B? But we didn't really have a plan B. But the mate who ran off actually ran back into town, grabbed a heap of blokes who then all come out, and we rolled the car over, thought, what are we going to do with it? So we actually took it back to his grandfather's garage, <laughs> put it back in the shed and then closed the door <laughs> and thought we'll just wait for his parents to get home and we better tell him. Well, they didn't. They had a great night, the parents, so they kicked on and, Anyway, about one o'clock we left, went home, and he told us in good faith that he would tell his mum and dad <laughs> that night. He didn't tell them. Next day we roll up to local footy and we're all pretty shocked and ashamed. And we'd told our parents and they weren't too happy. And we ran into this mate's dad and he was like a, a, a really good bloke to us. And he was hugging us and we thought, oh, he knows about it. <laughs> he had no idea. Anyway, this went on for about two weeks. We didn't tell him. <laughs> so when we told him, he wasn't too happy, pulled us all in and hit us with a bill for about $3,000 each, um, which at 15 years of age in those days felt like probably a million dollars. But, um, yeah, after a while, he let us off the hook. But, yeah, not a, not a great move. Um, another one, you won a few flags at Sanders. When you were coaching and playing there, um, you used to get a shopping trolley, I believe. <laughs> and if anybody's from Bendio, they know that the hill next to the cathedral is fairly steep. View Street? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. You used to go jump in the shopping trolley, get pushed down there, and the way you'd stop was just crash into the gutters. Yeah, well, we want to. 
we won the flag in the twos, lost the seniors. That was a sort of hard one. You had half the blokes happy drinking winner's piss. You had half the blokes drinking loser's piss. So sort of, anyway, in we sort of kicked on and up there at the den they used to do a locking. And it was pretty early in the morning and we come out and there's a shopping trolley there and for some stupid reason I thought I'd muck around and just jump in. I didn't think anyone would push it and I think Tony Graham and Nick Webb thought it would be funny to push me down the hill and basically thinking that the shopping trolley would dart off to the left or the right after about five or ten metres but as it stood, I think I got all the way down to the just before the traffic lights. No idea how to stop it. Hit probably one or two parked cars on the way down. Um, and the only way I stopped, I hit the gutter just past oh, where the sort of um, where the entry to Rosie Park is. And I'm not sure how fast we're going, but I sort of sort of come out over the top of the top and trolley, did a sort of a flip and landed flush on my back. <laughs> Um, so I think if I didn't have the the winner's piss and loser's piss in us, it would have hurt a lot more. There's a, we've got one more story and this, this is a good one. Um, uh, I don't think we go to the Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Of how you met your long, long lost twin brother. (laughs) (laughs) For how long night a couple of years back. So you want to touch on this? People, I don't, I can't see the resemblance, but people think I look like Billy Browers, and or fat. <laughs> <or> fat. <laughs> I, I, I don't see the resemblance. I was more Kevin Costner or more <laughs> <laughs> Chris Judd like or something like that, something like that. But nah, it, Billy was just on our table. We went to a Brownlow night with some local blokes in Bendigo. Um, it was a really good night. It was at the MCG, and it was the fundraising night. And each table has an AFL celebrity that sits on the table. It's about three hundred bucks a ticket or something like that. And you, and it just happened to be Billy Browers. And it just happened that the chair that Billy sat next to happened to be where I was sitting. And we had no idea. So everyone basically thought we were brothers. <laughs> but we did hit it off pretty well, and have caught up a few times since. But <laughs> it's and we just drank a lot of grog, and then. Billy wanted to go to the Brownlow after party, and but cooler. We dropped him off in the end, and just did went. Drop him off, or did he just jump in a random car? Uh, I think we dropped him off. Wasn't there like a crane involved? There was a crane. I'm not going to dob the person who climbed <laughs> you the tree. Don't need name names, but All just right. tell us what happened. Uh, well, we could, we were we were very drunk. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And Billy flogged about four boxes of reds to take to the after party, and. Some local high-falluting celebrities in Bendigo, or high businessmen in Bendigo. We lost a bloke, and it just so happens we look up, and the MCG had some work going on at the time. And one of these <laughs> solicitors <laughs> was at the top of the crane, <laughs> and then couldn't get down. So, <laughs> and it got a bit scary as he's trying to slide down the crane, and we're talking. You know, massive crane, yeah, um, <laughs> with no safety net. I'm not sure how he got up there, but um, yeah, Billy was telling him to jump, and <laughs> but no, so yeah, nice night to meet Billy. Well, did he just call over, pull up a car, and just hop in? Billy, yeah. Well, the last we saw of him 
yeah, pretty much he just jumped in with some randoms, had left bottles of grog everywhere, which we took home. But yeah, he's a he's a different man. Um, we touched on kidnapping last week with Derby. Kidnapping. When you were younger, you used to go. Your dad had a tire factory in uh, where was it? Coburg. Coburg. Um, you were with your brother one day at the supermarket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're in the lolly section, which is the strangest section to be in if you're an eight year old man that came up to you. Uh, what happened there? Well, it was actually <laughs> we used to catch a train from Bacchus Marsh to Melbourne. Uh, every Monday night, and then we'd catch a tram out to Coburg and then we'd play volleyball. <laughs> I know, don't ask me why or when. Anyway, but we would, mum and dad would give us some money to catch the tram. We'd spend it on food and then hop on the tram and not pay. And then if someone come and ask for a ticket, we'd jump off, get the next one, do all the way up. Yeah. But we got approached by uh, uh, Peter Pedophile, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't take too kindly. I just panicked and I didn't hit him, but... Didn't you kick him in the nuts? No, I pushed him into the lolly... <laughs> pushed him into the lolly aisle and sort of he stumbled back and he, he might have been just innocent sort of guy, but... Yeah, so if you listen, mate, we're... Yeah, I apologise. This happened 40 years ago. Yeah, he wasn't a Catholic priest or anything, but... <laughs> oh, no, can't. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, no, just just one of those growing up stories. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's all we really have for you. So thanks for coming on, I guess. No, well, I think it's a great idea what you blokes are doing and hopefully this will kick the ratings up a little bit. I know they've been struggling since Mitch and Darby were on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks, boys. It's always good to chat. Pleasure, Cam. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Oscar. <laughs> thanks, Bill. <laughs> One last thing before we go. We've got a very special guest on next episode. Uh, People get what the people want. Stay tuned for that.